Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. You know, I have tremendous respect for her. She is a woman of God, is she not? Oh, you are. Let's give this woman a hand. All right. Woo-hoo-hoo. Oh, you can do it louder than that. Come on. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't it fun to cheer each other on? But when she asked me, I, I was, we were in the chiropractor's office, actually, and I didn't have much time to, to think about it. But I said yes, and the reason why I said yes to coming was because years ago, my mother and I made an agreement with each other that any time we were asked to share about Jesus in our lives, we would automatically say yes. So we didn't have to make a decision when asked. It was already made. And then I got to thinking about it afterwards, and I thought, <laughs> I thought, what would I say? What have I, what have I got to say? I'm not going to major on the point, but... Um, I had five surgeries a couple years ago in 10 months, and I'm in the process of recovering, and it's a long recovery, and it's a very long recovery. Um, I hurt. I'm glad to be here, and Papa's seeing me through, but heaven looks really good. You know, it really, really does. So I don't know if anything I have to share with you out of what I have to share will speak to you at all. And if it doesn't, complain to Stephanie. <laughs> all, right. all right. Oh, gracious. You know, and if it does, wonderful. If it doesn't, uh, I, you know, I talked to Fred about what it was that I could share. And, and he suggested, share your story. I said, but I don't have a story. He goes, you certainly do have a story. So my story is my story, but I have to tell you this morning as I was praying, I was trying to think how I was going to say this to you. Here we are. You're probably sitting here not afraid, are you? You're with people that you know, people that you love, that you know love you. You're not afraid about bullets flying through the windows. You're not afraid to give your testimony. Lord God, we lift up the Ukraine. We lift up our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine and in Russia. And we believe you that anything that we give to you, you will use for good. And we are trusting that. And we are calling for salvation salvation once more louder salvation in the name of Jesus and father thank you for the privilege that's mine to sit here and tell my story it's just my story everybody's got a story but it's mine and I I offer to these dear people and I offer back to you Lord with much gratitude 
those that know me well will be really glad that I've got a notebook with notes because I <laughs> tend to be a rabbit trail person. Where's Corey? Corey knows that so well, you know. They all the, all the connections make sense to me, you know. They <laughs> they they do, but I, I have notes and I will stick to them, you know. I I really really will, and I and I even a typical teacher have a handout for you. There's no quiz afterwards. <laughs> Some of you I have known a long time. You know, I, I have, and have had very important roles in my, my life. Uh, this young man sitting here with a hat and a beard on, I didn't even recognize, and he's a son to me. We, we go way, way, way back. I was one of his teachers. I think I should say you were my teacher. We shared a lot. We did, and I'm so glad to see you. And I'd like to say that to each one of you, if you could consider yourself welcomed by me. Hello, 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 hello. Hi, Betty, hello, 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 hello. Oh, my dear friend here, hello. Uh, I said to Fred, maybe we could have it be kind of like we're, we're just all getting together to have a cup of tea, you know, and going to have a little chat, if it could be that kind of a tone. If you don't like tea, whatever. You know, whatever. But just something comfortable where you can sit back. All right, here we go. Uh, I'm older. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm old. I'm I'm older. In fact, I'm kind of shocked. I, I've I've missed several years here with with recovery, and I didn't realize how many of the years I had missed. But uh, I am a World War II baby. Uh, I'm also a history teacher, so it's all very now to me very, very, very now. I was born, would you believe, would you believe I was born in a hotel in Florida? I, yeah, I was. It was turned into a naval hospital. I haven't, it wasn't a luxury resort. And while I was being born in one bed, there was another person in the bed next dying. Isn't that interesting? And just a few weeks later, I was with my mother and my grandmother going by train from Florida, where I was born, across the country to San Francisco. And they were in a rather dreadful situation because my mother had gotten the stomach flu and my grandmother had no clothes with her at all. Excuse me, gentlemen, you could plug your ears and hum for just a minute. But older ladies used to wear these things called chemise, little one-piece affairs. And, and you'd like it to be that you had more clothes than just that with you, you know. That's all she had. That's all she had. So my dear sweet grandma went all the way from Chicago to San Francisco with her chemise and whatever else she had. And I was on both coasts by the time I was six weeks old. And that's what it was. Um, my father, uh, I don't know. My father. Uh, he exists, obviously, because here I am. Uh, when we went back to Michigan, he went to the University of Michigan Law School. I've forgiven him that, by the way. By the way, <laughs> how many of you watched the basketball game the other night? How many of you did? Watch the basketball game the other night? Anymore? Anymore? No? You know what happened? Well, we won't go there. That's, that's what you call a rabbit trail, all right? So we'll get back there. Uh, my grandfather, my mother's father, paid for my biological father's law school at the University of Michigan, which was a rather strange thing. 
you know, to do because his parents could have afforded to help him with that, but they chose to not do that. And the only thing my mother ever said about it was that my grandfather did it for her. Uh, my, my, I, I feel like my life has full of shadows where I know just little pieces of light every once in a while, but not the whole story. Um, my father abandoned my mother and myself. Um, some of you have met my mom before. My mom, I'm sorry, you probably think the same thing of your mom. My mom is one of the most beautiful inside and out human beings that's ever been. How anyone could abandon her is beyond me. And she was very traumatized uh, when he did that. Now, I, I realized in preparation for today, I, I grew up, I'm living, I'm talking about a very different time than the time in which we live. There's certain things that were very different then than they are now. I don't want to offend any of you sitting here. So I, if I make mention of certain experiences that were responded to in a certain way, Please don't take that personally. That was then. This is this is now. But they're still part of the story. They're still part of the story. And they still, at my age, if you can imagine, at my age, have an effect, you know, on me. She was really, my mom was really traumatized. Uh, you, there was no such thing as no-fault divorce. You had to have detectives. Uh, you had to have evidence gathered. I mean, it was quite a process. Uh, I was considered illegitimate, you know, for a while. Which again, I mean, that means absolutely zero to anybody now. You know, what does that term mean? But it meant something to people then, and it meant something to her. And she didn't. We lived with my grandparents, for, and she, my mom, didn't leave the house for a year. I mean, honestly, did not leave the house. She was so shamed by the situation she was faced with, and her brother really urged her, "You got to find a husband." You know, nobody wants a divorced woman, and certainly not a divorced woman with a kid. You know, and there, there I was. So the first bachelor that showed up on the scene who knew nothing about children, that's for sure, uh, they, had <laughs> Woo! Uh, they ended up, you know, uh, together. He was one of Lansing's most eligible bachelors, and uh, he swooped my mother uh, off of her feet. They married. We moved to, uh, to East Lansing. Uh, but before we moved to Lansing, we lived in Lansing briefly. And my biological father, who I had never met, as I said, reappeared on the scene. He was a lawyer, as I had mentioned. And he had discovered that he was going to have to pay money for me until I was 18. No way. No way. And there's quite a story about that. You know, there really, really is rabbit trail. Maybe what we could do is have somebody, Rosemary, would you write down, and I'm kidding, could you write down a list of things that we'll have for rabbit trails? Okay, and if we ever have nothing to do, like if we're stuck in an elevator together somewhere, you know, at some point in time, I, we can get out the list and we can tell the story. But at any rate, he discovered that he was going to have to pay, oh, I think it was $14 or something, you know, astronomical amount of money. There was no way he was going to do that. By, the, by that time, he was on his second wife, I might mention, you know, to that. Uh, to at any rate, there's a whole story there. Uh, he, he would pull up outside of my school. Anybody go to Elmhurst Schools? I don't think it functions as a school any longer, but that's where I went to school. And he would pull up in front of Elmhurst School at the end of the school day waiting for me. Now, now when you come to take a kid out of school, I mean, you've got to sign your life away to prove that you're the person that's supposed to take the kid. 
Well, it wasn't necessarily like that, you know, then. So I would have to walk out of school by his car, and there he was. And, and, and definitely I knew he, he, he wanted to kidnap me so that he wouldn't have to pay that, that money because what it would do is it would upset my mother and my grandparents so much that they would do anything to get me away from him. And sure enough, I ended up being adopted by my stepdad, and I ended up pretty much as a child living with my grandparents, uh, living with my grandparents. Um, my parents, when we moved to, to East Lansing, were very active socially and pol politically on the outside. Um, they, the inside was a different story. I was thinking about an example once. Do you like peas that come in a can? Do you really? Peas that come in a can? Oh, you guys, I'm sorry. How many of you really don't like peas in a can? I'm sorry, we're right. <laughs> They're just, ah! Well, at any rate, I had this picture of buying a, a, a can that I thought had beans in it and opening it up and finding out those were those icky, awful, yellowish, greenish peas. And I kind of felt like my life was like that. You know, it looked one way on the outside, it was okay. But on the inside, not so okay. Not so okay. So on the outside, here was this family that was very active socially, all kinds of things. Everybody, everybody knew my stepdad, you know, and whatever. But on the inside, there was trouble. There was alcoholism. Uh, I don't know if the term rageaholic is familiar to you. Uh, I hope it never becomes familiar to you if it's not rageaholic. Uh, abuse, physical abuse. Uh, there was no sexual abuse, but there was everything else, much verbal abuse. To this day, I still hear those words echoing in my, in my mind, in my mind. So this kidnapping situation that changed my position to being an adopted child did positionally in the family make quite a difference. Have you, oh, boy, I've got stuff I don't like asking you, but have you ever seen somebody who was in the Holocaust and their hair had all fallen out? Some of you are nodding your heads. It's not a pretty picture. You know, not a pretty picture at all. My hair did that. I was so traumatized by what was going on in my life that clunches of hair you know, fell, fell out. It took me a long time to even begin to recover from the things that we had experienced. And to tell you the honest truth, I'm not sure I have recovered from them. They're uh, recovered by inches, and then they come back. Some of you are nodding that you know that. And I think sometimes we're surprised. Sometimes it's not like that, but sometimes it is. Uh, I went to school at East Lansing. I was a good student, uh, but I had a very painful home life. Uh, my idea is my dad, and by now I'm when I say dad, I mean stepdad. He came into the room. Where did I go? Out. <laughs> you know, out. Uh, I thought about God. Uh, we went to church. You know, we 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 did because I think I say this carefully. Well, you go to church. I mean, that's that's what that's what you do. You know, and and I took confirmation classes and whatever. And if you had asked me if I believed that Jesus was my Savior, I would have said, yes, where are my papers? You already passed them out. You've got it. Now, you're going to wonder about some of those. They won't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But the first one says the four spiritual laws, so just have that up there. Don't read it now. 
read it now, okay? And, you know, I, I, thought, I thought about God and whatever, but that was all there was. It, it, it was, I can remember our pastor was trying to give up smoking for Lent. Uh, I don't know if some of you followed that tradition, and he couldn't do it. And I thought, you know, he's the main dude, you know, and I, talk about humility not being mine. You know, I'd never smoked, so how did I know what that problem was going to be like? But he couldn't. So I figured, well, then there wasn't too much to this God business because if he didn't have any power, then there must not be any power. And then I went off to Michigan State University, and there I was. And now the, you have heard the beginning of the story, and here is the middle of the story, and it gets to be kind of fun. I, there are a couple parts. <laughs> this handsome, wonderful man sitting in front of me, he doesn't know if I'm going to share certain things in my story. <laughs> Like the kiss heard round the world, that kind of thing. You know? There, I said it. Not, we won't demonstrate. We, we won't. But at any rate, I went to Michigan State to study to be a teacher. And I can remember exactly where I was sitting in what particular classroom building studying. And a girl from my dorm went by and said, Hi, Jamie. Her name was Mickey. She said, Hi, Jamie. Hi, Mickey. Comes back a minute later. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Mickey. Okay. Comes back a few minutes later. Do you remember this story? Maybe you do. Okay. I heard it 900 times. She comes back again. Hi, Mickey. What is it that you want? Hello. She goes, well, I have a friend that's coming to Michigan State's campus to interview college students for a collegiate magazine, and I wondered if you would be so kind as to be interviewed. Yes. Just get out of here. I've got a test I'm studying for. So a week later, she came to collect me at our, at our dorm to be interviewed. And I can, again, I can remember, I can, I can, one of the reasons I can remember is because I've gone back to these places, and actually they still exist, you know, and what, whatever. And I, this place where we were on the steps going down the hallway and stopping on the bottom step and saying, Mickey, by the way, what kind of magazine is, is this? You know, I mean, is, is it a jocks, you know, soccer magazine or something. I said, it's not that I object, but I, I ah, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. She goes, no, 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 you'll be fine. It's a Christian collegiate magazine. And then I said, oh, boy, I really don't have anything to say. You know, I, I don't. I said, it's, it's not that I'm opposed. I just, I don't know anything to share. Nothing's ever happened to me, you know, kind of a thing. She goes, and she's so dear. I, I remember her, walk, you know, kind of nudging me, nurturing me down the hallway. And once again, I could show you, I might taking you back there. I bet you, I, yes, aha, uh -huh, probably many times. To, to sh the exact room that we sat in, in East Yakely Hall, off the hallway. And I, what happened was... The gal that was there to interview me shared with me a pamphlet. It didn't look like this, but it had the same information called The Four Spiritual Laws. And it was published by Campus Crusade for Christ, which has a different name now, but it's the gospel's the gospel. So here was the gospel. And, and she shared this with me. And frankly, um, nothing terribly different spoke to me except for one thing. Uh, she would be showing me verses in her Bible and asking me what they what they meant to me. And I had tried to read the Bible. In fact, every Christmas that I could remember, I would go up in my room, and I was trying to remember if I actually lit the candle or just looked at it unlit. But I would have this candle, and I would try to figure out, why did a little baby, why did 
a little baby, you know where I'm going with this, being born, make a difference in the, in the world. I knew he had, but I just couldn't put the pieces, you know, to, 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 together. And, and the Bible of this dear young woman that was sharing with me underlined stuff, little notes and whatever, and I was fascinated because I had started out trying to read the Bible, and I think I got to Leviticus and died counting chickens or whatever. You know, I, I do. I mean, it just didn't connect with me. So I thought, if what she's sharing with me, if what she's sharing with me makes that book meaningful, that's what she has, you know. So this is not the form. So please know that if you see a book, a little pamphlet, it, it looks a little bit different. But there is a one word in here. If, I, I, we don't have time for you to read this whole thing. But if you read this whole thing, I, I would venture to say probably, I think, all of you would agree with everything that's on it. I, I, I doubt very much you'd have any disagreement, you know, with it. But there's one particular word, one word uh, on this that changed my life. Now, I'll give you two hours to find out which word it is. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, first spiritual law, second spiritual law, third spiritual law, fourth spiritual law. Okay, the fourth spiritual law explains how and, what's the word? What's the word? A louder. A little bit louder. One more time. How an individual can receive God's gift of reconciliation and eternal life. Now, I had been in confirmation classes with groups of people, you know, and, 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 and whatever. But I didn't remember ever just me as an individual, you know, hearing the plan of salvation and having it to do with me as an individual. And, and you know, sometimes things jump off pages and have an effect on us that don't affect anybody else at all. This was like one of those bang, bang, bang days. And it started a journey, you know, for me where I started learning certain things. Now we're, now we're talking about a period of time, and I realized when I was thinking about all the way, now I went to this class and I learned this and I went to this conference and learned that, that there would be no way to go through all of that. So I tried to summarize the things that I began to learn. One of the things was that my identity was in Christ. That's who I was. What he said, you know, not who my stepfather was, you know, not whether he called me certain names that would ring in my ears all day long. My identity was in Christ. It didn't matter whether I had a dad or didn't have a dad or what he was like. It didn't matter. The one remembrance I have of my stepdad was at my graduation passing out in the front of the, of the bleachers uh, at East Lansing High School. Not, you know, just not a pretty memory. You know, it didn't matter. That wasn't where my identity came from. I wasn't the daughter of the drunk, you know, kind of a kind of a thing. My identity was in Christ. And you know about that. You could talk about it for hours, you know, hours. Uh, there's no abandonment in our Father. Oh, there's no abandonment. None ever, no matter what, there's no abandonment. That's very practical. That's extremely useful because I don't know about you. Yes, I do because I know this. We have a really s snotty enemy. You know, really snotty. And, and anything he possibly can, I mean, we start out with him being abandoned and have to earn our way on the stage, you know, with him. I mean, it takes real work to work at this. It's 
grace. It's not earned. It's not earned. It's not deserved. That's good news. And something else that is, is very much still a, a now moment for me is the breaking of generational curses. Uh, I got a lot of really squirrely relatives, you know, from the, the way past that, that, I'll, that I'll never know, that made certain choices in their lives generations ago that are still impacting my life. And I'm not saying that I haven't contributed my share, you know, here and up. But think of it. Generational curses can be broken. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot, and you don't have to do anything with it. I'm just doing it for myself. But how many of you are pretty sure that you've had a generational curse in your life that's been broken? Keep your hand up. Oh, oh. And if your hand's not up, it doesn't mean that something's the matter with you. Not at all. It means you've got things to look forward to. You know? It's just an incredible thing. Then there's the whole subject of deliverance which of course goes right along with this. And again, I haven't chatted with you about deliverance, but I figure we are free to talk about it here. And we are certainly not free to talk about it other places. Oh, have I got stories. Put that down on the sideline, or the, the, the list. Stories about deliverance. Please. I think we figured we spent the first seven years that we were baptized in the Holy Spirit being delivered about seven years, and on the one hand, that's a long time. On the other hand, that's not a long time, you know, at, at, at all. Well, I was excited. Is, do I have, is my water around here? Did I still leave? I think I left it. Is there, because I just need a little sip of something to wet my whistle. Thank you so much, dear lady. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I was excited. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I still am. And I want to make a comment about my mother and my husband first, and then I want to tell you why I was so excited. My mom was the, the, like a deacon of her church, and she was sent to a meeting on Michigan State's campus to kind of check it out and make sure that it was legitimate for the college kids to go. And the way the meeting was... I am just pushing up a pillow in case you wonder, what is she doing? There we go. Uh, you weren't supposed to go to the meeting if you were under four, over 40 because there were so many people that were younger than that that wanted desperately to go. Well, she was desperate for the truth her, to herself, so she went anyway. And, and do you think she could have looked that it? I don't know. She, uh, she's quite a babe, so she might have been able to do that. At any rate, she got that word individually also that same night that she needed to ask Jesus into her heart personally, you know, for her to wash away her sins, not just the sins of the whole world. It was a personal kind of thing. So she, that was her experience. Now, this handsome man sitting in front of me was at the University of Kentucky, never met each other except that we went to the same elementary school in East Lansing, uh, for one year, and somebody was pushing me on the swings and pushed me so high that I went up over the swings. And I've often wondered, I've often wondered if that could possibly have been you. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a nice little story. That was close. You, that's, see, that's it. 
you know, that's definitely, definitely it. But at any rate, we hadn't met each other before. But he had a very similar experience with, with the Lord at the University of Kentucky at the very same, very same week, if not the same day, November, November the 4th, 1964. And, and you could say, well, that's an interesting coincidence. That's not a coincidence. God says, I know the plans I have for you, and he weaves our plans together. Well, there's a lot more to this story. Wait till you hear what happened. any rate, I was excited. Why was I excited? Well, I was excited because I was beginning to get answers to things that I had wanted to know about for years and years and years, like who am I? You know, what did I do wrong that my dad left? You know, why this, why that, whatever. At any rate, I was so excited, but here's the, here's the deal. And I got myself in a lot of trouble for this. I figured the only reason why somebody hadn't asked Jesus to be their Savior was that they didn't know about him. That was the only reason, because anybody who possibly knew would want him. So whose job was it to make sure they learned? Mine. <laughs> you know. And I, I lived in a sorority house on Michigan State's campus, and I mean, I buttonholed everybody, all I possibly, anybody walked by me for longer than five minutes of conversation, and there we were with my little pamphlets and, and whatever, and I, you know I got asked to move home. I didn't, I, I didn't know if I was going to tell you guys that or not, because it's not exactly the greatest story in the world, but I did, I got asked to go home. You know, I did. Because I was causing so much trouble in the in the sorority house by getting everybody else to go. And this is a long time ago, remember. You know, I mean, it's a different kind of upset. You know, I mean, it's just back then, it was just not polite. You know, I mean, give it a break, girl, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of a thing. And, and, I, and I couldn't. And so I went to the pastor of our church. I was so excited to tell him about this. I, I found the answer to what I've been looking for about having Jesus be, be my Savior. Sure that he would be just absolutely thrilled and want to preach on it for the next 10 weeks, right? <laughs> no. He started writing me love letters and calling me on the phone. And, and uh, yeah, not, not good. Married, three kids. And I'm like, what? I mean, this was just not quite what I'd had in, had in mind. Strange, not at all. Strange kind of thing. Anyway, eventually I got to move, to move back into the sorority house, and life got picked up, and I'll pick up from there. I was in a serious relationship with a young man who was uh, at medical school at the University of Michigan, and um, God was just not a part of our relationship, and he, he wasn't particularly interested, you know, and I was not interested in anything that wasn't interested, you know, whatever. So uh, our relationship got further and further and further apart, and eventually I went to a place called Arrowhead Springs, and if any of you, I don't think, I don't think, if you look, yeah, and I went there for two summers, and I really, oh, what a rich experience, it was like, well, I was living in the kingdom of God, you know, I was, and I knew, I, and here again, I, I'm not wanting to offend anybody, I knew I couldn't marry somebody that didn't love Jesus, I, I couldn't. You know, if I wanted to, I couldn't. Uh, that wasn't what Father, you know, had for me. So uh, the young man I was engaged to actually did me a wonderful favor. He, he gave me a choice, either marry him or stop this Jesus business. You know, so I had to make a choice between him and, yep, and that's, that's true. And I 
broke off my engagement and, and our wedding was canceled and that was the end of that. And boy, as I look back over the years, was that a key decision. Really, really key decision. And if you have um, somebody that you encounter that's going through similar situations or just someone that needs a word of understanding about that, why that's so, send them to Fred and me because we'd, <laughs> we'd, we'd love to tell them our story. We really, really would. We were just both of us hungry for more of Jesus. That's the only way to say it. There was just We were so excited about Jesus, and we still are. Have never gotten over it. Um, we, he was, my plan was then, since I wasn't getting married, I was going to go to India the summer after I graduated from Michigan State and work with a man named Percy Shastri, who was a, a missionary in India on college campuses. And men were not in my plan. No men. No, 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 no. And then you know every once in a while in the scriptures it goes, but God. <laughs> this was a but God, you know, kind of, kind of thing. And, I, you know, I was going over this again this morning and thinking, will this make any sense to any of them? Because it sounds kind of odd. You know, it really, really does. But here we go. Okay. Men not in my plans. All right. Now my roommate. My roommate in the sorority house was brilliant. Uh, didn't have to set her alarm clock to get up in the morning. She just automatically did. She was Miss MSU. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if they have that anymore. But they did then. Miss MSU, she was absolutely beautiful. And she's a really, really nice person. And she was interested in educational things. There was something she wasn't interested in, however. And what might that possibly be? She really wasn't interested in Jesus. She was doing just fine, you know, with, without him. Uh, and she started dating, I thought, uh, date, dating as in dating, like not just occasionally going out, but dating, relationship. Uh, a young man who is sitting right in front of Sitting right in front of me right now. And I, I I have to hold this up so somebody can see this. Can somebody see some lines that are scratched out? Okay. He, well, he read my notes. You know, he read my notes, and he crossed out some things that he didn't agree with. And the thing that he didn't agree with was... <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, you know, he said he didn't break up with my roommate because he was never going with her in the first place, but she was getting him home to her mama. You know, I mean, she was on his way, and I knew this because we were roommates and whatever. And Fred's cousin was the president of our sorority, and, and he was getting himself in quite a bit of trouble with her because, and I love this story, I just love it. I'm, I'm in the ladies' room, and there's one... <laughs> And there's one young woman who's talking about her Friday night date, and you know what? This could, this, this could be the guy. This could be the one. Oh, and I heard all the details of what a wonderful evening it was. And then this girl at the other sink started saying the same thing about her Saturday night date. Really thought there was something special about this guy. <laughs> it's a babe. <laughs> Who was it? It was. And his cousin, his cousin told him, Fred, you got a fish or cut bait. You are causing trouble in this sorority house. You know, you, you really, really, really are. Now, here's the thing is, I, look at him. And, uh, and, 
started getting to know Fred because he was around. You know, his cousin was, as I said, the president of the sorority house, and he had these other young girlfriends, acquaintances, not anybody you were seriously about, according to you. We got to spend time together, and I found out that, he, guess what? He really loved somebody that I really loved. Who did he really love? Oh, he really, really loved Jesus, and I think in his own way was looking for, are there any females around that also, you know, love Jesus? And I knew one, you know, I knew one. And he invited me to go have a cup of coffee one night, and I went with him because I was wanting to give him a piece of my mind for how he had hurt my roommate for heaven's sakes. So we went for that cup of coffee. You know, we did. The next thing we did, and oh, I wish I could stand. I can't. I know my legs don't work well enough. Oh, the next night we went bowl, or next day we went bowling, and he was going, I got 13 the first time we went bowling because he was going to show me how, because he put his arm around me, and you know, can you kind of picture this? I mean, I was so distracted. I mean, I wouldn't have known what a, where we were. You know? <laughs> were we in a bowling alley? And I had never met anybody like him. I, I really honestly hadn't. He was just a fine human being. He was majoring in special education for mentally handicapped kids. He loved Jesus. He had the most superb parents. You guys remember Nan and Papa? Do you? Yeah. I mean, just wonderful family, very different from what I had experienced. I just was so drawn to them, you know, so drawn to the entire, you know, family. And little by little, little by little, we fell in love. And you can say there's no such thing as falling in love. I'm sorry, I did. You know, I did. We fell madly in love. And then I think, here I'm going to go. One night he took me to a party, and as we were leaving, he kissed me, and we actually kissed before we were married. We did. I'm sorry for somebody who didn't. <laughs> and I have to tell you, though, I, have, I am going to tell him because it's a story. I have never, ever been kissed like that before. <laughs> I mean, my entire being was kissed. And I'm like, what is this? You know, what, what, what is this? It was just a new kind of something or other. It, it wasn't casual. You know, it wasn't casual. It wasn't uh, salacious, you know, at all. It was pure. It was wonderful. It was something that I had always wanted because somebody, all I had ever seen that I can remember now were broken marriages. And the idea of, and his parents loved each other. Oh, my goodness, did they love each other. And I was on to studying them. So what happened? After 13 bridal showers in which Fred helped write thank you notes, what did you say in one of them? I'm sure we'll enjoy the steak knives you gave us if we are ever able to afford steak. <laughs> Something like that. But we were married on August 12th, 1967. Do you know how many years ago that was? It's shocking. I'm glad you're sitting down. It's shocking. 55 years. How long have you guys been married, Rose? Pardon me? Yeah. <laughs> the Bowles are two of our dearest, dearest friends. When Pastor Bowles said he was maybe going to come today, I thought, oh, my good. Hey, excuse me. I'm sorry. I still do that. 
But anyway, thank you for coming. I'm honored that you would, would, would be here. At any rate, here we were. We were married, and I got a couple little things that are fun. Um, we really wanted the man that had, was discipling us in Christ to marry us, Pastor Eugene Williams, who was the founding pastor of East Lansing Trinity Church. But in my parents' church, he couldn't do that. He had to be a, a pastor from that particular denomination to even set his toe up in the front and what, whatever. And I respected that. And we went for marriage counseling, premarital counseling, and whatever. We were we're gonna we're gonna go ahead with what my parents wanted us to do. And as we sat in his office, this dear man got out this. Do you remember Fisher Price toys? Some of you. He got out this cave, like a caveman cave, and cave little cave creatures and 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 whatever. And he was going to explain the way life works in marriage. You know, to us, here we are planning our wedding and whatever. And he explained that the reason why Fred would come back at the end of the day after going out hunting would be that he would see me like this with my breast undulating in the breeze. And that would, <laughs> undulating was the word, and, and he, that would imprint on his mind. And so he would come home at the end of the day. And I was absolutely horrified. That was not my my idea, you know, not my idea. What? Oh, and so I've got this tear, you know, coming down my cheek because I was so disappointed. And he went, my dear, have you had a child out of wedlock? What? I mean, it was just bizarre, you know, the whole thing was. I mean, if I had had a child out of wedlock, I wouldn't be talking to planning my wedding with him at that point in time. So it was, it was whatever. So he can, I don't even know how to finish the sentence, so we'll just leave it hanging in the air. We went ahead planning our wedding. We wanted to respect our parents and whatever. And would you believe, you want to tell the next part? like a small thing now, but that was a really big deal. You know, we were brand new baby Christians. You know, we, re we really were. We wanted to honor our parents, but that was such a gift to us. Uh, two other quick little things that were special about that day other than just the whole thing. Uh, Fred's brother, Bill, uh, you want to tell that story? I wish you would. And he's
And he shares that as his testimony. And he shares that as, as his, his testimony. You know, he always, he always does. Uh, now, one third little item, and that is, you've been to a wedding before where you have a candle lit, right? And a candle lit, right? And then we light the candle in the middle. Uh-huh, and we, what do we do then? We blow out the candle that we just used, right? And where would the veil be at that particular point? <laughs> Not right here. But if it, <laughs> you're right, right here. Guess what happened? My wedding veil caught on fire in the middle of our wedding. It, it did, and my, yeah, my father-in-law said he could just see, you know, the head, headlines of the newspaper, Father of Groom Attacks Bride in the Middle of Wedding. <laughs> and we always told our daughters, I, we were just so madly in love with each other, we just, you know, right? And they're like, oh, geez, you know, not believing any of that. So one year when we unpacked my wedding dress, sure enough, there were all the centers and, you know, that, that's, I mean, and when you're a pastor that marries people, nothing worse can happen, really, <laughs> than catching on fire. So it really was a very useful illustri <laughs> illus illustration. He, he did. Hey, <laughs> would you do this? No, can't do it? This, will you help me with this? I think so. Okay, all right. I wanted, I brought with me the, the words to our wedding song. Uh, the, the gal that led me to Christ was a, oh boy, would I love to tell you about her. Re, put that on the list. Kathy Nearmore, <laughs> put that on the list. But she shared with us a wedding song that someone wrote for them, for their wedding. And here it is, right here. And I wanted Fred to read a stanza, and I was going to read a stanza, and we both started to cry, so I'm left. You know, I am, okay, I'm tough. I'm tough. So the idea is we are standing and we are, oh, looking at each other 55 years ago. I come to you with only love to offer. No grand pretensions or vain promises I've made. I bring no name or gift to gain your favor. I only share with you the faith on Jesus' stayed. I come to you with one consuming passion to make our life in Christ a sacrament of love. I ask of you to share with me the vision to make him known who intercedes for us above. I come to you with love that's from the Savior, a love that only by his grace could be, a sure foundation for our life together, whose golden bands were forged at Calvary's rugged tree. I'll love you, babe. Oh. Okay, now, we're coming right along here. We are, in case you're wondering, is this going to ever end? Maybe not. Uh, our, our, our new life, uh, we were both teachers. I taught history and, and literature. And dear sweet Corey, I need to apologize publicly to Corey 
because I didn't recognize him with his beard. You know, I didn't. I, I said, I don't believe I've met you or something at the door. They're <laughs> like, what? You know, I mean, this man has lived at my house. I mean, do you remember that? Okay. We have all kinds of wonderful memories. You know, we, we really, really do. Uh, so at any rate, I taught school youth or history and, and literature. We ran youth groups wherever it was that we went. Uh, you know, one of the things about that, we were new Christians, and yet we were the ones that were expected to do the teaching to those that were needing to be discipled, and, and that was fine because it made us eager learners, but at the same time, at the same time, you're, you're getting what I'm saying. There was no particular training other than a willingness and liking kids. So eventually we went to Seminary Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois. And I taught there. It's a wonderful school. Fred taught Ed Sykes there. If you want to know more about it sometime, I'm sure he'd be glad to tell you about it. It was an excellent experience. During that time uh, period in our life, we lost three children. Uh, our daughter, Sarah, uh, died shortly after she was born. Then I had a miscarriage, and then we had a little boy. Uh, who passed away, born too soon. And so we lost three children. We were foster parents, remember Marilyn, and a couple others. We have an adopted daughter. We have another daughter. We just had miscellaneous collection of people. We've always had people living with us. Uh, you never knew who was going to be there on any given night. Uh, Fred's work, and I'd really like to brag on him, about, but I'm not, I'm not going to for the sake of time. He designed a program for special needs kids in the North Shore of Chicago that is still an amazing experience for people. Uh, he's a really cool guy, this guy of mine. You know, he, he really is. He's so, he's so, he's very, very creative, and he's a team builder. You know, when you were talking about being a team, you know, he, 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 he doesn't have to be the big sh shampoo or whatever the term is. That What's the word I want? Not that. <laughs> uh, then the life in the Holy Spirit began. We didn't know diddly swat about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, I mean, we could read, you know, but that was about about it. So we ended up <laughs> oh, we ended up getting kicked out of a ministry because we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, and that was not a pleasant experience because we lived right next door to certain people that were also on the staff, and nobody would talk to anybody. And, I mean, it was ugly. You know, it really was. And our daughters were young, and their best friend's parents wouldn't let them talk to them. You know, just, just things like that. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Uh, we went to a place called New Covenant, which some of you are familiar with, New Covenant Christian Church. Uh, Fred was an elder there and then a senior pastor for 28 years. We had the incredible privilege of building a school together that I can't even begin. If I were in a kind of a healthy situation, I'd still be there, you know. I, I would, we just, it was a wonderful experience. 38 years and it's flourishing. And you, would you believe that the pandemic has actually helped that school? You know, because all of a sudden, all kinds of people are wanting to find out how they can get in since they don't want to be someplace else. How, okay, I'm going to get Corey to help me with this. How many years do you think I've taught? That's really putting you on the spot. I, we just figured this out the other day. I'll, I'll help you out a little bit, okay? 
The school has been around for 38 years. I've taught other places other than the school. You have, you're being so gracious. He, look at him. He's sitting there, you know, going, I'm going to pick some huge number and, you know, 50 years. Uh, 50 years. When I first discovered that, I was just absolutely floored. Where did it go? Where did the time go? Where, and, you know, it goes fast. You know, it really honestly does. Um, other things that we have been involved in were dunamis, which is meaningful to some of you and not knowable to others. Coggle, and which, again, familiar, not familiar. And, and would you say that we've had a wonderful life? We've had a wonderful life. We haven't had... You know, somebody said once, you know, life for me is not a single candle. It's a splendid torch, and I want to make it blaze as brightly as I can before I pass it on to future generations, and that's been our life. It's been a splendid torch. You know, it really, really, really has. But, you know, I have to remind you of certain things in the middle of all of this because it is a wonderful story. Uh, we lost three children. We had a house fire. Our house burned. Uh, we got kicked out of a ministry. You know, I mean, it, there are, there's life, you know, that happens. But through it all, through it all, learn to trust in Jesus. Now, I have got to change or to share one other thing with you, and that is when I ask the Lord, okay, you've got me signed up with Stephanie to come here on a Sunday afternoon. What do you want me to share? He said, share your story. But he also told me, that I could tell you about something that's very important to me, and you're going to wonder about this. My subject matter was is history, and Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill is very important to me, and there's a lot more to his life than meets the eye. He is considered to be the number one, the number one statesman who saved the world from Nazism. Uh, the more you read of his story, well, I'll read it, what it says out of a quote I wrote down. Winston Churchill is widely considered to be the greatest leader of the 20th century. He was the one person most responsible for saving England and Western Europe from the domination of Hitler's National Socialism. At the time, Churchill believed he was defending Christian civilization from pagan barbarians, and he surely was. Now, here's the deal. I don't know if any of you know anything about his background. He had one of the most abysmal, terrible backgrounds. Um, his father loathed him. That's the word that's used in most history books, actually loathed him, thought he was retarded, wouldn't speak to him, was horribly embarrassed. His mother was a beauty queen. From the, She was an American. Uh, they, they had no time for him. They thought he was retarded. They were ashamed of him. Uh, he had a horrible life. He hated school, absolutely hated school. Hated, he hated just about everything. You know, he really honestly did. And when he was one month old, one month old, he was given to a nanny to take care of. Her name was, and I want you to write her name down, Elizabeth Ann Everest. Elizabeth Ann Everest. She's my hero. Everybody needs to have a hero. Elizabeth Anne, and I've seen Anne with an E and Anne without an E, so whichever you want to do is fine with her, I'm sure. She got him when he was one month old, and she raised him until he was 18. And she's, I can't wait to meet her. I'm looking forward to meeting her. 
when I grow up, I want to be just, just like her. She was a typical English nanny. She was plump and jolly and fun and, and, and whatever and, and, and warm and loving and kind and good. And she was an absolutely, you know where I'm going with this, I bet you, passionate Christian, passionate woman of prayer. And she taught him to love God. She would sit by his bed at night and she would caress his forehead. She'd put the mark of the cross on his forehead as he was going to sleep. She would lay hands on him every night of his growing up life and, and pray for him. They would go for walks and sing the great hymns. Sing the great hymns. By the way, I think you have um, you have the words to a hymn. You do. Okay. And the reason why I stuck that in there, in case you wonder, that's a, a hardball hymn. He chose that. Churchill later on in life chose that song to be sung by American and British soldiers together uh, as to what he thought their assignment was. It's not in very many hymnals anymore because it's considered to be too mean, too militant and, and, and whatever. But I want to challenge you. Read it out loud. We won't take the time to read it out loud, but read it out loud and let it stir you for the times in which we live. We do what we do for the children. We do what we do for the next generation. What's been passed on to us, we pass on to them. Let it sink in. It's a battle. It's a war. We know that, we know that don't we? It's not getting better. And I'm not going to stop. I, excuse me, I am going to stop there. But I wanted you to know this, the name Elizabeth Ann Evers. She changed the life of Winston Churchill. If he hadn't been who he became, ah, somebody else would have done it. Those babies that get aborted, ah, God's got a plan for them. They'll just put one baby's plan into another baby. Not so. Not so. If it weren't for her, who knows how the course of human history might have been different. And you may be a person like her. There may be somebody that God has for you to love and to share and to sing to and to read the scriptures and to teach how to pray and to sit at night and give security to a small child. And he never, you know, it's interesting because his father was absolutely wretched to him. I mean, that's not just me saying that. That's everybody who's written about him. And he died at age 45, rotting, his brain rotted of syphilis. And I have my own theory about him. I don't think he was Winston Churchill's father. I think they, there were such antics going on. I think it was somebody else. And he hated the kid because the kid, Winston, reminded him of who his father really had been. And, and, and whatever, but all that to say, if there was ever a candidate for a destroyed human being, it would be Winston Churchill. And instead, and instead, and instead, look at who he becomes. You, you must, you owe it to yourself, you must study his life. You, you, you can't possibly be anything but incredibly encouraged. And this man had a horribly difficult life. I mean, one minute it was one thing, and another minute it was another thing, and it was up, and it was down, and it was in, and it was out. And then when he won the whole thing for everybody, what did they do? They voted him out of office. I'm, you know, I mean, it's like, I mean, he comes back in later on, but still, it is a messy story. And a different person would have gotten bitter. And he didn't get bitter. And why didn't he get bitter? Elizabeth Ann Ever. So I wanted, to, I wanted to mention that because I think we need to take that very, very seriously. 
couple other things I wanted to mention to you, and then I am going to just plain stop. I'm not going to come to an end, because I'll never come to an end. I'll just plain <laughs> stop. And that is, uh, and again, I don't know y'all. You know, I, I, I don't. Pray in tongues drives the enemy crazy when you pray in tongues because he doesn't know what's going on, so drive him crazy, you know, drive him crazy. Uh, what else did I want to say? Uh, oh, you also have a single sheet about fasting and feasting, correct? Uh, if we had had time, and there really isn't enough time to do that, I wanted us to read those around with a partner and see if there was a particular pair that just especially spoke to you. There were, there were several that especially spoke to me. Just as a gift as you're preparing, preparing your heart for Resurrection Day, and I think, oh, the blood. The blood. The longer I go on with Christ, the blood. The blood. The blood. The blood. The blood. The blood of Jesus. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, not loving their life until the very blood of Jesus. And you know, I grew up going to Sunday school and whatever. I never, maybe it was just me, you know. I, I didn't hear anything much about the blood. You know, I really didn't. And, and the enemy's terrified of the blood of Jesus. You know, and anything that makes him terrified is our friend. You know, let's go after it. You know, so I would like to, I think that's, I'm going to just, I'm not going to finish. I'm just going to pause. But I would like to pray at the end if I could here for you all. I want us to just quiet our hearts first. Father, thank you for my life. Thank you for my life with Fred. Thank you for having a plan for my life to have the privilege of being this wonderful man's wife. He's my husband. He is my brother in Christ. These men and women are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. I declare that they are wrapped, they are saturated with the blood of Jesus, body, soul, and spirit. There is no weapon formed against them that can prosper because underneath and around them are your everlasting arms and your glory is their rear guard. I bless them, and we together bless the times in which we live. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, Learn about our speakers and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. 
or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.